0: Through interviews with top professional, collegiate, and master's-level runners, leading dietitians, coaches, sports psychologists, and runners of all shapes and sizes, we hope to spread the message that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to distance running. Now, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to SRC Radio. Um, Today, we are introduced to Haley Fisher who is a licensed professional counselor in Dallas, Texas. She owns a private practice, Grapevine Wellness Center, where she specializes in working with those struggling with eating disorders as well as with athletes. Her passion to work with eating disorders and athletes grew out of her own struggle with anorexia and her experiences in collegiate running. She describes herself as being a joy seeker, a trail running adventurer, a celebrator of food, an artist and a lover of people, thrift shopper, and a lover of cupcakes. She lives in the Dallas area with her husband, who's also a therapist, and their blue healer named Abby. Without further ado, here we go. This is our episode with Haley Fisher.
1: Hello, Strong Runner Chicks. Welcome to another episode of SRC Radio. Today we are joined by Haley. Hi, Haley. Welcome. Hi. We're so happy to have you. Yeah, I'm so glad to be on. Um, in addition to Haley, Megan's here with us as well. Hey, Meg. Hey. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Um, Haley, so set the scene for us. What's going on for you today, and and how are you doing?
2: Yeah, so today is a pretty good day. It's different. I've been working from home um, due to all the coronavirus stuff that's happening. So I've been at home all day. I have a lot of like virtual sessions later on. And then, surprisingly, um, there's been a lot more like, back-end work with kind of what's been happening so emails needing to be sent and um, just communication that's not normally there and so i've been doing a lot of more like back-end communication
1: mm-hmm. yeah i think megan and i can totally speak to that as well um, a lot of back-end stuff on our work as well um, and so we wish you all the luck with all those emails because i know yeah. sometimes it's like overwhelming you when you open up your mailbox and you're like oh my goodness <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Um, so to start off, we'd love to hear, um, if you could take us back to your early days of cross country and track running, um, how did you get your start in distance running and how has it evolved um, to what it looks like today?
2: Yeah, so I got my start back in middle school and I was, I played a lot of other sports growing up. I played softball and baseball kind of year round and basketball as well, like competitively. And in middle school, we, you know, there was track and stuff um, introduced. And so I was, I think, in eighth grade and the distance coach decided to just kind of pick me out of a group that he was just kind of choosing who he thought kind of looks like distance runners is what he said. Um, And so I started running uh, long distance in middle school and I like hated it. And for probably the first like three years, I was the person that was like trying to always get out of workouts. My coach nicknamed me drama queen, Um, but there was a pretty consistent and even without me like trying a ton that that I was running really well. Um, And so then probably uh, my junior year of high school, we changed coaches and I think his coaching style just worked a little bit better for me. Um, And at that point, I just kind of, I kind of gave up other sports that I'd been involved in, like basketball and softball and volleyball, and really just decided to focus on running. Um, And so I started to see a lot more success um, from that. And so also during that time, my senior year of high school, I ended up developing an eating disorder my senior year. So I ended up not going uh, to run in college because my eating disorder was pretty bad. Um, And so about a year and a half afterwards, um, in between like high school and college, I ended up getting recruited. And so I ended up going to D1 school and running there um, and doing five years there. Um, and so th- that was an interesting experience. It definitely wasn't kind of what I expected and um, at that point my eating issues started to catch up with me and so I started to kind of reap the consequences of those um, so I didn't have as much success as I had wanted it to um, but at the same time I think that was like a really good part of my journey with running that I started to really find my identity and worth and joy outside of running just because I was injured all the time <laughs> um, and so post-college I ended up actually uh, leading uh the middle of my cross country season my senior year just in the middle of a workout just decided like that was no longer a place for me that it was no longer healthy that i needed to really focus on my recovery and after that i took about a year off of running and so that was in 2014 and i just worked on recovery and healing and uh changing my relationship with my body and with also running Um, and then since then I've just kind of been running and competing less but running on the trails and really just enjoying
0: running in a different kind of way. Yeah so much good stuff. I know Kelsey you um, work closely with uh, collegiate athletes and kind of identity so I'm sure you have a a follow-up question already.
1: (laughs) I always have follow-up questions when do I not Um, But Haley, thank you so much for sharing your story, first and foremost. Um, I can imagine that time in your senior year of high school was particularly challenging, just because it is such a big transition, right, going from high school to college, and then on top of that, really working through an eating disorder um, and how that might have impacted that transition for you. Um, So, yeah, (laughs) definitely my first question, of course, was like to ask about identity and how you continue to develop that Um, when you recognize that's something that you were very passionate about passionate about was no longer serving you
2: yeah so like I said I took kind of this year and a half in between college and in high school where I wasn't running and competitively on a team I was just kind of running by myself and entering road races and I at that point I was just I'd become really sick and unfortunately I think just at the time it was about 10 years ago. And so I think there was still a lot of lack of education around eating disorders. And so I tend to get tended to get a lot more like shameful messages or like, let's just sweep this under the rug. Um, and so I, for me, a big part of my story was faith and like coming to um, know God in the midst of that and also experiencing what I felt like was real healing through a relationship with God. Um, and I think that that just kind of continued to uh, allow me to chip away and to change my identity over the years. And so I got to go to running college. And I think at that time it was still a huge part of my identity was to be a runner and to be the best. And like I said, I started to reap the consequences of not eating and uh, overtraining. And so I think it started to really just force me to evaluate like, what do I want for my life? And like this thing that I love is no longer serving me, but at the same time, like I have all these other places i can serve and love people and care for people and all these other amazing things i can do besides just run and why not invest in some of those other things Um, and i think it was a it was a really hard process i'm pretty stubborn and so i think lots of injuries kind of forced me to change my identity and to search for a different identity but at the same time that it was uh, just super integral for me to become the person that I am now and to also have a healthy relationship with running.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Um, you said, you talked about like helping and like serving others. Um, and so I wonder if that's maybe, is that why you got into this field of counseling?
2: <laughs> so sort of, so I originally, um, went to school and was getting my degree in dietetics. And so I have like a undergrad that's like a nutrition focus. Um, also with, a uh, and minor in kinesiology and so originally i wanted like that's a lot of stories i think with people with eating disorders they kind of like pursue dietetics um, and so as i grew more and more out of my eating disorder i thought more and more about coaching and really caring for people with coaching um, and so i actually had planned to go get my masters in afterwards um, and so my probably my set my last semester of my undergrad it was kind of an interesting situation that I really feel like was purposeful, but I had been misadvised. And like when you're a D1 college runner, like you're advised like four times like before you're allowed to change your class schedule. Um, And so my last semester was really over like, well, just pick some classes. You already have everything you need. Like we know you're gonna go do this master's and it'll all be fine. And um, so I took just a bunch of classes that I kind of didn't need and was really like, okay, I've checked all the boxes and to go get my degree in exercise science and physiology and uh, then I had been misadvised by like four people and missed a class. Um, and so at that time, I had really also started feeling like a pressing on my heart to do counseling. I kept hearing people talk about it. I was in counseling at the time, and I just remember talking to my counselor, which she's actually been a guest on here before, Adrian.
0: Oh, how cool. Uh, <laughs> we love like, Adrian.
2: Yeah, she's wonderful. Um, and telling her, you know, like, what am I going to do for this semester? I can't go to grad school. And then telling her, like, I really felt like counseling was maybe something I should do, like that I was feeling that pressure, like, inside me more. Um, but that I felt like I had been too broken to do it and I just remember her just really like speaking to me one day and being like you know your story Haley is uh not a story that like we hear often because my recovery journey was not very like a typical recovery journey um, And she's like and I just think it was meant for something more um and so I just started applying to counseling programs I like I don't know if I can get in with my background and I ended up getting into actually one of the top schools in the nation
0: Wow, that is such an awesome story. Like, I, I think it's really cool to hear you talk about it and looking back and how it it all sort of, like, happened for a reason, it sounds like, you yeah. know, it couldn't have worked out better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really wanted to talk about kind of now that you've gotten into counseling, like maybe... Some of the things that you've been noticing, I know we're in kind of a weird time right now, um, depending on when we release this episode, but a really tough time for a lot of us with, um, with coronavirus being you know, a big factor and, and a lot of races being postponed, canceled, and just different things in life. So I kind of wondered what approach you take to counseling and maybe how you've been navigating the past couple of weeks, both personally and professionally with clients
2: yeah so and um, so, yeah, so the past couple of weeks have been different. Um, definitely, it's a time where I'm seeing a lot of people that are experiencing both what you know the regular whatever they came into counseling for, but on top of it, this like increased anxiety. And so what I've been just kind of asking my clients is when they come in is like, what do you need? Do you need to talk about the coronavirus and the anxiety surrounding that or how it's impacting you? Do you want to keep working on? you know, the specific thing we were working on, like sometimes there's overlap, um, but really just trying to figure out what they need in that moment um, and to help them with that. Uh, I think some of the other things that have been interesting in like a good way is that, um, so I'm not sure how much you guys know about counseling and like how the licensure works state for state. And so that's been kind of a bigger, bigger barrier, I think for a lot of counselors is that, um, that state licensing requirements are individualized. And so everybody takes a national test, but then you're licensed individually by your state and everyone has different requirements. So like when I was in school, I had professors that had been here, like counselors for 15 years that couldn't counsel here in Texas because they didn't have the requirements. Um, But with like the coronavirus, we've seen like um, a letting down of some of those like requirements, but also like requirements of telehealth and so that there's also been more telehealth, like virtual appointments to serve people, which has been really great as well. Um, But then we've also, uh, you know, seen a lot of people just financially being hit and so that counseling oftentimes is a privilege um, just because a lot of insurances don't cover it. And so that uh, we've seen clients not being able to come to sessions as well.
1: Yeah, I can remember going through, so I got my master's in counseling, and I can remember going through my program, having to take a lot of classes, uh, or take one class in particular on um, uh, virtual, like, counseling via, like, technology, and I remember thinking to myself, I was like, I'm never going to use this, like, I'm never going to use it, and now it's come to a point where I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's happening, like this is a chance for that one class or that one unit in that one class to be used. So um, yeah, I can imagine that it's been really a difficult and interesting change for a lot of people to be counseled and then to do counseling via telehealth. Um, Yeah, just a really interesting time. But I appreciate you bringing that up. And I also appreciate you bringing up um, that counseling is a privilege, right? So there are so many folks nowadays who like feel that they need that they would like to get counseling and are unable to do so. So, um, hopefully, we can come up with a list. I know Megan and I are working on a list of um, different ways that folks can get support um, if they are unable to get paid for counseling. Um, so, yeah, thank you for, for speaking to those. Yeah.
0: yeah um, kind of, oh, ahead, I just thought of another uh, yeah. instance. <laughs> So especially with, I think, a lot of um, events, races, and even semesters kind of getting called off, canceled, um, you know, what, what are some tools that you're providing to clients right now and maybe any, um, anything that listeners could walk away with just on reframing their mindset, finding the silver lining in all of this?
2: Yeah. And so... Um... So I think part of the thing that I'm talking with a lot of people about is like first and foremost, knowing that it's okay to grieve. And so I think that oftentimes, you know, there's a stigma on like what we are allowed to and what we're not allowed to grieve and so that for some people, like it feels silly to like be sad that their race is canceled, like when all these other things are happening, but knowing that it's okay to grieve the things that are important to you. And it's also okay to have multiple emotions at one time. And so you can be sad about your race and you can also, you know, know that in the grand scheme of things like that, what we're needing to do and having the race canceled is the best thing um, for people's health and safety purposes. And so I think that that's really important to hold on to multiple emotions and know they're okay to feel all at once. And the other thing I think that's important is like knowing um, that it's, it's important to process like that your race was postponed or your season was canceled or your semester was ended. Um, but that also that that processing maybe doesn't have to happen right now. And because I think that also sometimes like right now people might be experiencing extreme anxiety or like job losses or having to work more than like at jobs, you know, that are in high demand. And so they might also not have the time To kind of sit back into process because I think that oftentimes we talk about like well process your feelings and your emotions and those are great things but there are some people that don't have maybe the mental space right now to do that and so to know that that's okay as well and to like take that break and so then when it comes to also thinking about like finding a silver lining you know it's kind of I think um, for me, it's like looking back at that season or that race build and thinking about all the other things you gained from it besides just racing in that race. Because I think especially as runners, like we're like building towards this race, but being able to think, did I grow in resilience? Did I grow in getting to run with community more often, like in really going back and looking at maybe the character growth you had or the things, other things that was cultivated through that training?
0: I think those are all really helpful. And I was just reminded of, you know, the, the way that we actually connected Haley was, um, we saw that you were offering free sessions to those who had a season or race canceled, which I thought was just so, uh, so kind of you to do during this time. And I wanted to know, um, you know, are you still, are you still taking on new clients? Is that, you know, an, an offering that you're continuing with at all? And kind of, yeah, maybe how's that process been too?
2: Yeah. So yeah, I decided to offer that kind of like we were talking about um, through this like idea of that counseling can both be a privilege um, and also just thinking about, I remember when I was in high school, it was when swine flu hit when I was a senior in high school. And so originally like everything was shut down, like the state track meet and everything. And I just remember feeling like such a loss. And eventually we, we did get to run it, but I felt such a loss. And so as I've been kind of having more time here without as many sessions, um, I was just thinking like, what is a way that I can still use the gifts I have to love and to serve people Um, and to know that if I was in that framework um, where my race had been canceled, um, which I wasn't training for anything at this point. So I wasn't feeling that, but knowing like, I think for me, I would want to talk about it and feel those feelings, but also kind of have some of that, like, belief, like, I shouldn't talk about this, or I don't, like, there's other things I need to focus on. And so really wanting to provide that service for athletes um, so that they had a space and that they didn't have to worry about the financial barrier to it and that they could just get what they needed, even if it was just for one session. And so I am still um offering that and I've had some people reach out and it's been really sweet and it's been I think also a really wonderful thing just on both ends like it's been really encouraging to me as well and so yeah I encourage anybody that would like that to reach out and that I'll keep I'll continue to offer that for a while
1: well make awesome. sure to put your contact information um in the show notes so that if folks want to reach out to you um they have the ability to do so yeah awesome Yeah. yeah um one thing, uh, yeah one thing I wanted to jump oh, back to um was knowing that it's okay to grieve I feel like I'm hearing a lot of people say like oh this is so painful for me but it could be worse right and so they're not validating like what they're actually going through and so um I really appreciate you saying that because I know I highlighted that in a podcast that I did with um, Megan a few weeks back um and and really want to reiterate that and like let people know that um, it's okay to like grieve what you're going through and grieve those missed seasons or races. Or I know I had a, a friend who canceled her wedding, like your weddings, like these are all important things that matter to you. Um, it's so individualized. So once again, I want to thank you for pointing that out and emphasizing that because it's, it's sometimes, sometimes we even forget to do it um, as counselors ourselves. So um, thank you for saying that.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, and with that, kind of like you were say, saying, that those are important things. And so I think sometimes we think like, I can fool my like body or my mind, you know, by pretending that didn't matter. Like that, that is the way to handle a situation when really like long-term that just makes things worse, like both physically and mentally, emotionally to stop those and to pretend like they didn't matter.
1: Yeah, definitely. Sorry, I'm just like mid-taking this while you're, while you're talking.
0: Okay, thanks. <laughs>
1: um, so jumping back a little bit, I guess, to um, working with individuals who have eating disorders or, you know, maybe on teams with eating disorders. Um, I know we're kind of jumping between topics here, but um, so how do you think that colleges, teammates, teams, um, coaches, um, I know that's a, a really broad category there, but how mm-hmm. can they be be prepared to address eating issues um, on their teams and create a culture that fosters support?
2: Yeah, so I think that that is definitely something we've seen a lot more, I think, growth in the past couple of years, but I think it's something that we also need to work more on growing. And so I really would encourage, especially like coaches and athletic departments to use their resources in order to get connected to professionals and like dietitians and counselors and therapists and that understand the complexity of not just really like eating disorders, but also just we see, you know, that athletes in general are at a higher risk for mental health than the regular population. And so really getting connected with uh, professionals that, Understand also like the athletic population and getting education and having the resources to source out, or even preferably to have those people like on some type of retainer to actually be in, um, in the facility to make access easier for um, the athletes. But I also you know I think a huge deal and um, a whole for people is really going to be like the coaches on an individual level, like really making the effort and deciding that athletes' long-term uh, health and emotional well-being and holistic health are more important than winning and, like, really taking the effort to spend as much time as they spend, or maybe not as much time, but a good deal amount of time, you know, like, investing in um, educating themselves on, like, mental health and well-being and not just on how can they, you know, be the
0: fastest runner or whatever. yeah Yeah. I love seeing these parallels I think to um just kind of coming from I'm in the corporate wellness space and I feel like this um specific situation we're in right now has brought up so much around mental emotional and social well-being and even financial well-being and it's like so good to see that we're caring about more than just performance measures or you know the physical aspect of our wellness so it's it's also cool to see that happening in sport too yeah
1: yeah and I know that a lot of um folks have had obviously like we said races and seasons canceled so I wonder what will happen you know, when coaches reunite with their teams again what, how that's going to affect. So that's like my current thought is like, what's going to happen when teams reunite mm-hmm. again? And like, what's going to happen when coaches reunite with their athletes again, or athletic departments come together again? So it's going to be really interesting to see, like you said, Megan, how, you know, the shift has changed. Well, if the shift will change in, in some coaches' mentalities, on winning versus, you know, taking care of our athletes, um, because it was so skewed prior. So I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how, how things might, may change.
2: Yeah, and that's what's something that I was thinking about as well, of just like, you know, that how are athletic departments going to prepare, like, for their athletes to come back, and for their coaches' well-being, and like the athletic departments, and whatever changes may have occurred, you know, um, because universities are financial institutions Mm -hmm. and so how they might be impacted and just kind of thinking you know are they going to have a mental health plan in place Mm -hmm. Um, and hoping that a lot of them will reach out to have that in place to make the transition back Mm -hmm. easier
1: yeah and I mean like this is right at my wheelhouse this is exactly what I'm studying in school but I also like wonder or two, kind of with all that was going on with the name, image, and likeness in the NCAA, is that going to change at all now, you know? So there's so much to consider and to think about. So I think having services and resources, like you said, Haley, in place for coaches and athletic directors to reach out to and make those connections within campus and then maybe outside of campus, depending on funding and all of those things, um, it's going to be really, really beneficial for when student athletes come back in the summer or the winter, whenever they start their you know, are able to reunite with their team depending on NCA eligibility. Um, So yeah, really great points. Um, So um, as we kind of begin to wrap up and kind of get our thoughts gathered, um, one question we wanted to ask you was looking back, you know, you've had a really interesting, um, you know, life thus far. You've done a lot of amazing things and you've kind of impacted a lot of people um, in your journey. So I wonder, you know, looking back, what, what advice would you give to your younger self
2: yeah, I think the biggest piece of advice that I would give my younger self is that um, my worth and my identity are secure and there's nothing that I could do or not do that could add to it or take anything away from it.
1: Um, that, was, uh, <laughs> that was such an amazing sentence. Can you repeat that again? So our
0: it listeners really well, read,
2: so. yeah, take it in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is something I've thought of a lot about. <laughs> um, And so it is that my worth and my value are secure and there's nothing that I could do or not do that could add or anything to it or take anything away from it.
1: Oh my goodness. Really? How did you come to that? Like how, what was that? That seems so, it seems like such a value of yours. Like, you know, when, I don't know if you've done this with clients or just within yourself with like identifying your values. um, Is that a value of yours? And how did you come to like to settle and ground with that?
2: Yeah, I so I think for me it was like it was really looking back about you know what was driving me a lot when I was younger, and it was this fear that I wasn't worthy, that I wasn't loved, and it was a constant search to find identity and worth, and that was through academics, that was through school, and um, that was through you know sports, um, that was through other people, and as I've grown and as I've thought about that and really seeing how much destruction that led to in my life. As well as also, like I mentioned earlier, like coming to know Christ and like what the Bible says about like my value and worth, it really helped me to identify like that there was nothing I needed to keep fighting for, like that there was nothing, like it was already secure, it was already bought, it was already here for me, and that there was nothing that I could do to take away from it or add to it, like, and so that that battle that I'd been fighting all my life was not a battle that I needed to keep fighting.
1: Thanks for sharing.
0: I think that's really powerful. Um, thank you for sharing. Oh. Yeah.
2: Uh, are <laughs> my identity and joy, not just in running, but outside of running as well. Um, and I think that allows me not to compromise you know my emotional my spiritual my mental physical health like all of these things in my life in order to be the best or the fastest runner um, but to really be able to stick to my values
0: i love that uh our last question is just how can listeners connect with you
2: Yeah, so they can find me on my website, which is grapevinewellnesscenter.com, and they can email me through there. It's for counseling services. And so I do individual counseling. I work a lot with athletes, um, those who are struggling with eating disorders, and a whole host of other things. Um, And then you can also find me through Instagram. And so my Instagram is hails.fisher.
0: Okay, Hail Stop Fisher. We'll make sure we link that up in the show notes. Yeah, all right. Anything else, Haley, that you wanted to, to share or leave our listeners with? Um,
2: yeah, just, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to me, whether it's for that free counseling appointment or if it's just questions, I really love to just share what I know or connect people. One of my favorite things is connecting people with maybe somebody who knows more than I do about something or even if I don't know the answer to the question I'm not afraid to ask other people just to see if I can find an answer and say that I would love to just be a resource for people not necessarily in like a counselor capacity but just to help.
1: Both Megan and I are smiling because that's, I think, one of Megan's strengths is being able to connect folks, and she'll always say to me, like, oh, I, love to like I, I love to connect people. I love it.
0: <laughs> I love how small our world is, too, in that way of, like, oh, yeah, I know Adrian, and this yeah. is how I know her, and there's so much overlap, so it's, it's super exciting to see that happening, and yeah, yeah definitely love, all about that,
2: yeah. I love connecting people, too. Like, I'll meet uh, people for supposed to be like my marketing and then I'm like do you know this person do you know this person like, let me get you their name
0: yeah <laughs> that's one of my favorite things so fun and where are you located I don't even think we touched on that yeah so I am in the Dallas
2: Fort Worth area in Texas um, and so it's a city it's called Grapevine which is in between Dallas and Fort Worth pretty much like midway between them
0: I've been there I used to run cross country and track down in Kingwood so we oh, cool. would go to Grapevine Texas yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, like, I think regional meets, maybe, yeah, was a while ago, yeah. yeah, how fun, well, yeah, but I know you do, um, just for those who are listening, you provide virtual sessions, right, yes, yeah, yeah. I, I do virtual sessions, as well. okay, awesome, all right. Well, thanks so much for being on Haley. It was a joy talking to you and getting to learn more about your work and all that you're up to. So, um, thanks again for tuning in strong runner chicks. We hope you have a good rest of your day, weekends, week, wherever you are. All right. That's all for now.
1: Thanks for listening to the strong runner chicks radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.